the uh, we had that Slack IPO yesterday, yeah. Thursday. Now, uh, I don't know. Looks like it's trading at thirty five, thirty six. You know, it's it's the morning, so I'm not fully booted here. Uh, price to earnings ratio or something like that. But I like I like the I you know I I I haven't really thought about this to now. Uh, but I think there's not enough commentary about not even like how a share price works, right? So in summary, here's how a share price works. I don't know what the time horizon is, two or three years, but well, this is ostensibly how a share price works is, <laughs> is, uh, I mean, we all know how a share price works. It's just fucking bullshit, crazy stuff fueled by like people in dry clean shirts and stuff like that, which I don't know what goes on in that world. Uh, but, uh, in theory, the price of it is sort of like the market's expect, expected their expectations of the value of the company, uh, sometime in the future, especially for a uh, growth company, which mm-hmm. I, you know, whatever. Uh, but that is like, it, it seems like there should be more commentary of like, uh, and therefore, if this is the price, here's what we would expect this company to look like in three years. Like that would be a good, I don't know what you call that kind of reasoning, like figuring out the present by reversing time from a future scenario. But, you know, I don't know what the analysis is, but I, I would wager, as it were, another metaphor that should never be taken literally, unless you're like Nassim Taleb or whatever. But like, you know, I would, I would figure that with Slack, the pricing that they're putting in there is basically like, you know, the ubiquity of it being used around places, which, which, well, and then the pricing, but, and then, and then one more note, like, I don't know, I only read this in one little data point in some tech crunch story or something, but it was interesting to note that the, uh, the, uh, the investment bankers who were helping them, uh, IPO, which I still never really understand what, what those people need to do, but that's fine. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like I found out in the Netherlands that if you want to have your teeth cleaned at the dentist, that's a whole separate appointment that you have to schedule, which what's, yeah, what's the yeah. first appointment? Well, you know, you just go in and they're like, yep, still got you all got your teeth. teeth. Yeah. yeah. And then and, they're like, if you want us to clean them, come back later. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, you know, I went over when I went to uh, a doctor's appointment uh, for a prescription. Like you go into the U.S. for a doctor's appointment, guarantee you're going to get weighed and get your blood pressure checked. And it's just like this whole rigmarole of stuff. And I went into uh, when I was initially here to to a doctor to get my prescription. And we just sat down at her desk and she just talked to me. And I was like, oh, and I also need a checkup. And she was like, a checkup. What What do you mean by that? And so they don't really, uh, I don't know. It's just apparently like this superfluous thing, uh, sort of like whatever. It's just a middleman inserting themselves. And then it's sort of like, and then we wonder why American healthcare is so screwed up, right? Like, but anyways, uh, I was reading in the article that the three banks involved in it, like a lot of people had to be educated about what Slack was, which from our seating, uh, one being podcast listeners and two working in the tech industry just seems like bonkers. Like, of course, you know what Slack well, is. I mean, how often do the bankers actually know what the company does? Mm. I mean, you know, okay. when when Hadoop, when uh, you know, when Cloudera goes public, or oh boy, uh, you know, when it comes to software, I'm guessing the bankers are not. You know, they're like, oh, this Twilio thing that make well, you know, Twilio kind of makes sense, but you know, some of the more esoteric software out there, uh, like like when Pivotal went public, mm. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, how did the bankers be like? Oh, I get it. Well, it's this combination of platform as a service and managed Kubernetes. And yeah, I can totally see why, you know, everyone's all hot for this. So Slack, sure. All you, all, all you have is the CEO saying he sees it killing email in about seven years and the bankers are like, I'm in. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they don't want to, they, they, they assume that it's like the iPhone killing Blackberry. Yeah. So, so. what's, what's your, you know, your, uh, day to day thinking? about what's your sentiment about slack nowadays uh well let me count one two three four five six i'm in 11 of them Mm -hmm. so uh you know they said they've got ninety five thousand customers um that's probably counting a fair number of non-paying customers because i think at least at least half the probably eight of the 11 that i'm in are not paid yeah actually i'm pretty sure 10 of the 11 are not paid um, so, you know, it, it's definitely kind of like email, not a lot of people paying for it. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's killed off IRC. Yeah, right. I mean that that wasn't exactly a cornerstone of of the the banker's life, but uh, you know a lot of development was happening there. Um, it's it's kind of like Git, GitHub, right? It's just it's taking something that should probably be more open and closing off a little bit, but mm. uh, everybody's on Slack. Yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna write something snarky and over in our. Uh our Slack channel. This is, this is like my favorite, my favorite part. <laughs> Which in, you don't pay for. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite, one of my favorite parts in like the weeds all the time where they'll like decry and talk about how terrible Facebook is and Twitter. And then very knowingly at the end, they'll be like, you should join our Facebook group. So, you know, <laughs> similar type of irony, but uh, yeah, I was thinking like, you know, it, it's, 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 uh, there was some headline that is like, you know, uh, uh, whatever CEO says, uh, we won't recognize email in the future or something. And I was thinking like, yeah, I mean, cause Slack is basically email just in a different form. And then I was thinking, you know, that's kind of like, um, what uh, precious is, I think the word they use, right? That's kind of a precious or naive take. And, and, you know, it is true that it replaces, it is a different kind of doing email. Like, you know, those little email clients that have tried, they're always trying to turn email into a chat window. Uh, I forget the mm. names of them, but that's kind of fun. Um, right. So it replaces email and that communication thing. And in that way, like, it's really annoying because it's just like, oh, I still got a bunch of shit to do. Right. And sure enough. Right. Like, you know, uh, like all tragically civilized people, I have notifications turned on. I actually have a ton of them turned off, but for Slack. So, like, something will pop up work related and it's like a to do item and I have to, like, mentally do the thing in email where you leave it unread to manage it. And like, you know, I should send it off to OmniFocus and blah, 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 blah. Like OmniFocus, you know, the, basically OmniFocus is a tool where like every couple of weeks I select everything and then mark it as due today. Like, <laughs> well, so, so, so my, my, my Slack trick is uh, I use the remind me. Mm. And I just tell it to remind me about this tomorrow. No, I, I do. Week. I do that as well. And, oh, and I, okay. I think I need to investigate more sophisticated to do management stuff because the problem with the remind me thing is basically everything about it. <laughs> like it's it, well, well sure the, the first part is good like remind i i always I like the innovation in to do list management that we've had in the past five or ten years where you can schedule it for like. Uh, one hour, three hour today, tomorrow, or like the future, right? Like, and like that is, that is wise thinking about when people kind of think about when something's due. And I think the future basically just means next Monday. Um, but whatever. Um, uh, and, but the problem is, so that part's good, but then it goes into this one window where it's like, you asked me to remind you about this message, which is linked. And then there's like the first 10 characters of, of the thing, which you can click on to go read it, which is fine. But then when you go back, you've got like 10 remind me things and you can set like done, not done on each of these things. And I can never figure out, well, I can, but it takes a lot of cognitive horsepower to figure out which one I just looked at to go set as to done or whatever. And then also yeah. like, you know, I can't, it's not a full blown to do thing, list management thing, which I think to, to like go down another rat hole, I'm always very leery of all in task management systems. Like, like for example, you know, in Google Docs, how you can assign tasks and, uh, like I don't really want to use nope. those because then I've got like all these like task silos that I have to go manage. Right. Right. Um, which I'm, you know, I'm contradicting myself multiple times here and the behavior that I have, but I think I need to get a little pop filter thing, but I think, I think in, uh, in Slack, I would be totally okay with managing all of my work to do list and project things in there. And in fact, it might be kind of nice because you could have like a Slack bot. Slack bot, is that right? And yeah. uh, and you could and it tell just it tracks. You, yeah, you could just message it and be like, "Remind me to do this thing for this project sometime or not." Or just like you know, it's what you what you what one uh, fantasizes that Siri and Alexa would do for you, right? Like, hey, remind me to buy some milk when I'm at the Albert Hine or something. Well, and, and, and that's that's part of the Slack play is like integrating into everything under the sun. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, we saw uh, GitHub acquired Pull Panda this week 
And one of the features, one of the things that Pull Panda does is it just watches over your pull request and you know says, "Hey, you've got these. This one has addressed you know four days ago. This one was two days ago. This one's yeah. due today." And it integrates into Slack, of course, right? So yeah. it's gonna yeah. be in there, like poking you. And that's to me, that's actually one of the things that I hate most about Slack is the inability to mute particular. Not necessarily people, but apps, right? I've got mm. a lot. I'm in a lot of slacks, right? And a lot of them are chatty because they've got bots reporting into them. And I, you know, you know there's there's like, you know, sophisticated slack maintenance where you start to put your notifications in a notified channel. Yeah. And, well, well know, let, let, me, let me let me ask something. Th- let yeah. me ask the question that, that you're you're pushing towards here is like, so maybe it's a dumb idea to automatically post to Slack channels. <laughs> well, but but someone must be deriving value from it. Mm, see, this is why I'm asking. Is like I I have as the joke I tell nowadays is like you know when I was in high school I would spend my Friday nights editing I and I files to like mm. change my window background. Oh sure, because yeah. just like I think I I think that with a lot of stuff like this, just the act of setting up that integration seems satisfying to developers. Right. It's sort of yeah, like yeah. it's in the same way that like, you know, you would know better than I do. But it's sort of like, uh, why do you go on a run? You don't go anywhere. And it's like, no, no. But just the act of running is its own reward. And I think I think the act of integrating some chatty bot into Slack is its own reward. And the oh, yeah. uh, the aftermath of it is just like not cool. And then you're like, ooh, <laughs> I can add like 10 integrations here. And if I hook yes. it up to Zapier, I can add like 50 more. And what I should do is write a Python script so it does this. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, Matt Ray is like, I'm leaving this channel. Uh, so like, <laughs> like who put all these bots in here? Um, or, you know, I've got probably 80% of the channels I'm in are muted. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I don't get notifications. And then I, I'm spending all my time fiddling with individual notifications on different slacks that I'm in and which ones go to my phone and which ones don't and which people. And and I think that's maybe that is like a developer kind of trait where we kind of get overly invested in all the fiddly bits. Yeah. And, and, and for good or bad, right? Because what it means is like, you know, when you – use a piece of software, you become fairly good at, at understanding how all the edge cases work and you can kind of hold a, a mental map in your mind. But also I, I, I kind of was, was feeling this uh, yesterday. I, I was on a call with somebody who was, you know, blindly copying and pasting things into an editor and then they were using VI without color coding of code. And just, it was driving me nuts that, <laughs> you know, somebody would, claim to be a developer <laughs> but but clearly not spend the Matt time Ray, to, Matt to, Ray. Like, we don't we don't want to be we don't want to be code color syntax highlighting normative okay maybe mm. i mean i you, you're bringing your own biases and notions to things maybe you should just cool it and you're you're, you're pressing people with your theory of uh, okay, like okay. what color things should be i mean maybe maybe I'm, it's because because i was on a call i mean I if they want to if they want to use like Easter egg colors as their oh, background, what are you going to do? That, that's fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, you don't pay stuff into them. And, <laughs> and, you know, and then, uh, it, it was just one of those things. It's like, is it me or is it the world around me? Do you, you remember, you remember those developers at BMC that we would talk with and they would use like notepad all the time. Yes. And, and you would they be were like pasting into notepad and then pasting into VI. Yeah. And, Oh, God. You would be like, and what What the fuck are character. you doing? Yes. You know, I realized yes. later in my life, a lot of these developers, uh, they seem kind of like distant and they were always older and they, they were <laughs> sort of like not focused uh, as much as we were on, you know, they didn't, they weren't us and they weren't uh, obsessed with technology. And I realized as, as I became older, they were like, yeah, because yeah. I got to take my kid to fucking Kung Fu class. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, give me, you know. I'm going to do my work here, get my paycheck. I'm not really into optimizing this text. Code that, runs that and I check it in. Own. Yeah. 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 I, I don't, I don't think it has to do with age because there are plenty of, uh, uh, someone pointed out to me that I'm, 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 uh, one of my favorite albums turned 30 today. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm so old. What is that? Right? Uh, pet sounds or something? 
<laughs> no, Pet Sounds is like 50 or 60, <laughs> which is also quite good. But I'm not that old. Mm. Um, no, it was uh, Faith No More's uh, The Real Thing. Uh, that album mm. came out uh, the week I moved to Austin. Is that the um, one where a piano explodes in the end? Yes. Boy, yes. our our old time, our old friend Charles Lowell loves that that uh, that music too. He was, I remember he was telling me about it way back when, and he was shocked I didn't really know it. And he's like, "It's the video where the piano explodes." Yeah. Um, anywho, I was like, I feel so freaking old, right? Mm. Um, but that was uh, a very formative uh, high school thing. Um, anyway, the point is, like, it doesn't matter what your age is. Um, if you are doing something, why don't you invest the time in doing it well? Uh, or, 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 or maybe that was just me. Yeah, I think I think you just went over the uh, the, <laughs> the marketing strategy for the first year of any startup. And just all, all you do is pitching, uh, doing things a good job. I was talking with uh, with uh, uh, enterprise architect friend of mine. A, a while ago and we 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 had a long as you would expect between me and and uh, this person meandering conversation that had absolutely no conclusion uh that was that was based around the idea of uh why don't companies just focus on doing a good job <laughs> and like well, yeah. and, and like the only the only like thought innovation we had i think was like a variation on that is like the the Culture is the wrong word. I always hate that word in, in the context of work. But the uh, the way of thinking, well, I'll just say culture. The culture of most companies is not to focus on. They don't give themselves permission to do a good job. Like it's not. Yeah. It's not what no one like realizes. That's I shouldn't say realize. No one thinks that that is what they are existing for, which is at first it's depressing but then again it's like using notepad to like you know do your c code or whatever it's just like well maybe i i guess they're not there to do a good job they're just there to <laughs> to get money they're there to do a job yeah, yeah 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 i mean and and from that perspective i guess it is depressing cuz then it's depressing intellectually cuz i spend a lot of time thinking about this uh, of like when does you know and one of my favorite metaphors is the uh the uh, the opposite of the prime mover is the cul-de-sac where like the your uh, your causation chain kind of ends and you fulfilled the if not the point of it all just the end of random causation uh you know the, it's it's kind of like the last episode of that old connections tv show i guess uh but but like like it's depressing cuz it's sort of like well then you want to make money and then and then that gets paid to people and then they buy a Lamborghini and then so is the Lamborghini like the cul-de-sac but then you're like no because then the money goes to the Lamborghini company who then also works on like just making money so that then they can buy an Italian villa but then they gave that money to the Italian villa person and it's just like on and on and on it goes and um you know next thing you know I'm hanging off a lamppost with a handkerchief over my mouth throwing <laughs> throwing a brick through a McDonald's window which then also what's the point of that like if we destroy all the McDonald's then we're going to go to the park and like sit in a drum circle like when when do we uh, when do we back call to the, the drum sack? circles yeah <laughs> back to the drum circles oh Cody, what are we going to do yeah. <clears throat> and and let me let me just point out one flaw in in uh, in Nietzsche's eternal recurrence thing is like yes. Like, in theory, his ethics are derived... Well, one, he was fucking crazy. So let's just be careful. We've got to tread lightly. Uh, sure. But, but like, um, like his his notion being, uh, in a very... This is, as, as people would call it, bong talk. But it's like, if there's a finite amount of matter in the world and time is infinite, the same thing is going to happen over and over again. Just because there's, there's, there's a finite amount, a number of ways that uh, matter can combine itself... And then therefore, if you have, I think, I forget who, some kind of, uh, you, if you have a understanding of causation, uh, that basically, uh, the physical world is what causes things to happen versus some other ephemeral spiritual thing, which, you know, welcome to Western philosophy. But anyways, uh, then basically you're going to be doing the same thing over and over again. And I think Nietzsche's idea is like, so you should try to do the best thing possible because you don't know when the first time is, and then you're going to be doing that over and over again. So it's slightly different than, um, it's not resurrection. That's Jesus shit. What's the, uh, what's the Eastern thing? <laughs> reincarnation. Cause in reincarnation, reincarnation, at least like, 
at least you're you're you know upgrading uh if you've done a good job uh and then i think i think eventually you upgrade into nothingness or something which all of like any good science fiction movie all of these philosophies and religion they just have to like wrap up in the third act and it always sucks right the the end (laughs) is just always stupid but Uh, so anyways uh the problem with this uh eternal recurrence is like I mean, that's really audacious to think you're living the first cycle of it. And and so if you're not living the first cycle and it's kind of meaningless and you're just going to be doing the same thing over and over again, shouldn't you always pursue a completely hedonistic sort of way of going stuff? Like if you were to maximize your pleasure in the first run of things, you would be infinitely maximizing your pleasure instead of whatever doing a good job is, which I think explains why companies just focus on uh, making money instead of doing a good job. Well, but also why developers are easily distracted. Because, um, yes. you know, you can focus on doing a good job and then you're like, well, if I'm going to do a good job, I better have a good editor. If I'm going to have a good editor, I'm getting my windows set up in the right direction. And if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to be doing my windows, I need to make sure my I and I's are, you know, formatted properly. And, oh, who opened all these bugs against this tool over here? Right. Do, do people, does, is, are, do I and I files still exist or has Microsoft moved to YAML? <laughs> uh i'm sure i and i files still exist um if uh, if you take a look at uh Tommel, it it's pretty much the same thing mm. um so that's that's uh that's what 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 uh we like over here at uh in uh, chef's habitat land is Tommel. Uh, well um, you know if i admire one thing about your podcasting acuum i was noticing this on episodes i haven't been on recently matt ray is you doggedly try to stick to uh to the topics you're like you're you're very good at like gently guiding the randomness and usually usually we have usually we have brandon here to kind of moderate modern moderate moderate my uh my rambling insanity talk about something that has no cul-de-sac uh maybe it's all (laughs) cul-de-sac and i just can't find the exit uh but but uh you know i I, we're a good dichotomy dichomatic that's one of my favorite words which i think actually exists yeah I mean, I, I I am not as uh, as versed in the uh, the Nietzsche and and, and whatnot, and uh, I had trouble getting through uh, the complete works of Philip K. Dick uh, when it. Went, I've never done that. <laughs> when it when it got into some of the Ubik and uh, some of the stuff about you know the the uh, was it the war the war in Rome never ended or anyway. Man, talk about crazy! That guy's a basket yeah. case. <laughs> so so yeah, I. I try to steer back to things like, you know, the state of the developer ecosystem in 2019, because at least put that out, put out by JetBrains. <laughs> I think I think this is one of the more reliable annual surveys out there, despite being put out by a vendor. So it's, yeah. it's uh, interesting. What, what are your impressions? Um, you know, it, it's telling us a lot of stuff we probably uh, knew. Um, I, I'd like, like like any big uh, survey. I'd like to see more of the. Uh, where they got the raw data coming soon. I'd like to know a little bit more about how they are, their methodology worked. And they got this demographics and methodology section, but who are they collecting these numbers from? Like, is yeah, it JetBrains yeah. users? Because, you know, maybe that's a slightly different uh, you know, set of users, but this just in. People still coding on a lot of Java. Uh, Python is uh, really popular. Goes up and coming. JavaScript's the most used language. I mean, uh duh right um (laughs) yeah yeah i think i think you're pointing out like my uh you know first reaction to most surveys like this is and i'll I'll use another survey and and you know uh whatever you know like the red monk language survey and also the uh, highly related is like the github survey and then we'll use the stack exchange ones uh theoretically as a foil but like those two surveys like a github survey that surveys like what languages are used in github to state something that is obvious, but like maybe the implications are not thought of is like, well, that's only the code on GitHub, right? So like you, yeah. you've limited your world of analysis to people. Well, one to a lot of open source projects. So I would assume, I mean, I don't know if they go into like the enterprise instances that I don't know if that's in the I mean, terms of service. Pro- probably, probably they can't or probably they are not allowed to. Well, yeah. probably you need to read the fine print, but yeah, probably the the GitHub enterprises aren't being looked at. But I bet in the terms of service for the hosted version, you know, they're 
poking into your private. Yeah, no, 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 that that would that would temper my uh, my sentiment a lot if they actually looked at all of it. And then and then you would just have to make sure like back when we would do this kind of stuff, we would assume that if you had 15 or 20 percent market share, you could uh, valuably draw conclusions from from it. Right. Which I'm no statistician. But uh, it feel I think those numbers feel kind of stable. But and then also like I forget the methodology now of the Red Monk language survey, but I think it's all you know off of public information versus uh, lines of code running in production right now, which ultimately I think is an impossible metric to measure. You kind of get that with uh, the stat counter people when they look at um, websites, but then again that's scope just to external websites. Uh, but you know it. it uh, uh, it seems like ultimately the only type of truth you could get is, and then lines of code is a problem. I guess you would have to do it, the application, number of, you would take each application <laughs> or service and see what language it was primarily uh, written in. And let's say 70% is primarily. Uh, and then that would be how you would survey language rankings and programming language rankings and improvement or, and whatever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is like one of the classic problems of software is counting things is hard, right? Mm. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, if if you're trying to count how many services are running or how many load balancers or web servers, it's like, you know, what happens when you start, you know, pooling things and into clusters and, <sighs> um, yeah. It, it, it's hard, um, you know, continuing into the, their survey, though, looking into their, their DevOps stuff. This is where things get a little, the thing that, that jumped out at me was uh, the usage of GCP is uh, substantially higher than Azure and Heroku seems really high. Oh, I didn't um, see this yet. Is this as a breakout from their current survey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have breakouts by languages and then uh-huh. things like databases and team tools and you know, I, obviously I, I went and read the the Ruby stuff and Rust and <clears throat> and uh Chef is know, only those... used by eight percent. What are y'all doing over there in Seattle? <laughs> we're we're busy fighting off nine at forty three percent. Yeah. Um no, but yes. uh exactly see that's yeah. that's I mean I know I'm interrupting you, but I mean that that is an excellent like little thing um what do you call it uh model for how to think of this kind of thing is like their highlight like you could say like oh custom solution rules the market but if you missed out this 43 percent of none you're like oh right that's like in you know 1897 saying the Wright brothers had market share for planes it's just like yeah doesn't fucking matter at that point right so. right oh, and then there's the question you know where do you host your databases and or services and or applications that you and your company develop and it's like private servers ahead of cloud like so i should be investing in private servers uh no right um it, it you know, some some of the stuff in here just seems a little weird, but uh, you know, it's it's fun to dig into these numbers. Um, you know, probably you're not going to use them to to make your business decisions, but uh, you know, fun facts. Yeah, and 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 so there there's our dogging on it. Overall, always good to have surveys. That's that's uh, it's it's as you say, it's interesting to look through there. And and I remember, you know, one of the things I saw was uh, basically, I mean, two things I'm always always i frequently am interested in tracking as one like uh continuous integration and, and deployment use and i remember back when i was at 451 research and like devops as a a thing a thing to be analyzed with starting up that was kind that was one of the main um i guess proxy metrics i would look at is is like do you have a pipeline in place because um I don't know. Maybe there's some edge case of DevOps where you don't have a pipeline in place, but it seems <laughs> like you will always have a pipeline in place if you're doing DevOps. So that is a necessary thing and a valuable thing on its own. And I feel like, so which it was the, the InfoQ survey, they had three years of survey data. And again, let's never mind the methodology about asking people about CICD use. And I think it was about like over three years, it went from like 30 to maybe 40% of survey respondents saying they use it. And then if I remember from this survey, uh, it's kind of like the same, <laughs> like almost five years later, as far as people yeah, using it. Hasn't it. Gotten that, hasn't gotten better yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gotten a little bit better, but not like, not like 
shockingly better. Sort of like, you know, if, 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 if we're in the medieval ages and, and we were like, Hey, check it out. If you add salt to food, fucking delicious. Right. And, and then like <laughs> now at the economics of it aside, if salt then became freely available and it took like a hundred years for people to start using salt, you would be like, what's up? And I don't mean the configuration thing. I mean the actual uh, salt. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in contrast, if, if I remember, uh, I'm trying to look at this again, but now I can't find it. But in contrast, I think, uh, yeah, unit testing is up to like 71 percent, which uh, which is still like I feel like extreme programming was published in 1999. So 20 years later, I guess you maybe this is as high as you can get with a, adopting a uh, – a programming practice like you can't really bust a, a, over three-fourths of people doing it because like i i think unit testing is considered a hundred percent valid <laughs> right as like it's almost like it's almost like a hundred percent of programmers agree that actually typing characters into their editor is a good practice for programming like it's it's almost inextricably inextricably uh, linked to it, or like you know, compiling is a key practice for programming. Although I guess there's some sort of like <laughs> I guess there's some theoretic programmers who use Greek symbols in German universities, and they never compile uh, the code. That, that so. was my, yeah. I I, I had uh, I had that that guy. Um, uh, like Dijkstra at UT. Yes, I had Dijkstra. Yeah. Uh, he you know he gave the keynote at my. Uh, uh, geology uh, major and, and like he was famous for like not having a computer and doing everything on paper and longhand and his secretary you know faxing his stuff out to his devoted followers but uh yeah most of us are sitting on you know but then i had another professor who was kind of the opposite end of that who was horrified at the state of uh developers coming out of the university who'd never touched a debugger yeah. right so you gotta gotta take pride in your tools yeah. And then, and then and then just before we close it out, I think another issue was only uh only 44% of of people say they used an issue tracker, which seems astounding. Uh, maybe maybe astounding in the the naive sense of like well, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like it's it's almost like if if uh if I wanted to like uh you know, probably if I still had a register column, this would be a great thing to write up. It's just like, oh yeah, would just be like, so no wonder shit is fucked, right? Like, look yeah, at look that, at these that, findings. That does sound like the register. Yes, yeah. I'm sure you could make a lot of hay out of this and just spend like, what is wrong with you know the 41 percent who are not doing these things or you know, you know. By the yeah, way, pretty- by the way, if I could just appeal indirectly to the register people or someone else, look. I need a monthly column. It was really fun to have one. <laughs> and they would only pay me like $400. And I would often write way over the, uh, yeah. the required like 1200 words. I, I don't, I can't do the math, you know, so they didn't pay me much at all. And it's like $400. What is that? Let me, let me do this. Uh, you got 400 times 12. So you're talking about $4,800. Listen, listen, if you want a <laughs> column, why don't you just pay me $5,000? And I'll write you a monthly column. I, I don't know. It turns out I'm pretty good at writing columns about the tech world. I don't know. Like, like I was told the register people didn't have budget. Co- and I feel like, what the fuck is that? You have budget. Cote, <laughs> Cote. Co- co- They're probably just you know telling people to listen to our podcast where you know, you're giving the milk away for free. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I need, I need a, I need a column somewhere where I, I can turn that milk into like those uh, upside down milkshakes that you get at Dairy Queen. Have you? When's the last time you had a blizzard, Matt Ray? Oh, it's been a while. Um, I probably <sighs> had one. I haven't been. Well, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Do you, you know, you've always been healthy, but like I look back and like I, I have not always been healthy. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But I, I am, I am amazed at the quantity of food I would eat at each meal. Like I would, yeah. we would go to Chewy's and I swear to God, I would probably eat like three pounds of food. Maybe three pounds yeah. is an exaggeration, yeah. but I would just eat <laughs> so much food. And, oh, like, how did I even survive that? I guess I was young and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. just, just, Hey kids, yeah, Hey kids, catch you. don't eat so much food. Just <laughs> moderate it. Like, but just, just make sure that you know that uh, the metabolism is going to slow down. You'll get old, and all your favorite records will be thirty years old. Like, have you do you do you see the Instagram for our friend Tasty Meat Paul? Like that guy. Oh, that man. guy. That He's guy's, living the life. I know, and, and he he looks he looks perfectly fine. 
Like I, I would expect him to be like a like Veruca Salt scale of like blueberry with like all these pictures that he does. <laughs> but like, there's something. It must be that Australian upbringing. He just like he's he's like super a okay with eating like five pounds of brisket or something like that. Well, it's, maybe it's that's all he eats. Maybe he's like you know like a like a snake where he eats once a week. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, yeah, his uh, yeah. he's got he's got the setup though. Like he's traveling the world for for pivotal mm-hmm. and uh, eating at all the restaurants as he gets there, right? I know he's got great pictures abroad, and then he goes home and it's like, fuck, look at all that delicious smoked meat. Uh, <laughs> can't go wrong. Well, you know, speaking of. If you're out there, delicious you have a lot you delicious smoked meat and you got a lot of things you need to pay attention to. What's one yeah. way that you can't go wrong if if you need well, to uh, manage that? I think th- thanks for asking. Uh, you know, this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their web APM tools, Logly. Uh, when there's a service disruption, seconds matter. Don't waste time looking for logs or coming through endless screens of events. Let Logly aggregate, manage, and summarize your log data so you quickly spot issues, jump to the relevant event messages, and identify the root cause. Logly streamlines troubleshooting with fast interactive search capabilities over massive log volumes, even across long time periods. The powerful analytics allow you to visualize your log data and spot trends and anomalies before there's an issue. With Logly, you can spend less time troubleshooting and more time innovating. It's scalable cloud-based log management that won't break the bank. Learn more or try it for free for 14 days. Just go to http logly.com slash sdt. If it logs, it can log to Logly. That's a good motto. Well, hey, also, I always forget to put this ad in, but I think uh, I think I still have this enabled. But if you you should go buy. Speaking of columns, you should go get a copy of my book. It's a collection of my previous columns called Digital WTF. And yeah. uh, if if you use when you know LeanPub is is kind of weird in this respect. You can't actually enter a discount code when you uh, when you're buying it. You have to do it in a URL. But hey, you listeners are cool. You can type a URL on your own or fire up your Java and do a URI object or something. But uh, <laughs> if you go to leanpub.com slash C, C for coupon, slash SD, or what, C, I've already fucked it up. So this is a problem. But just put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. If you want it, Kote will help you find it. Yeah. you you Basically, you can get $20 off if you go in the show notes and click on it. Or let me undercut my own effort. I don't know when I have this to turn off, but if you go to Kote.io slash books, there's a link there where you can just get it totally for uh, for free. Uh, I, oh. Because really, listen, I don't, you, you know, I think I've made three hundred dollars, of which I spent seventy nine for ads on LeanPub. It's it's not like <laughs> it's not like uh, I'm going to make any money off of this. I'm not Tom you're, Clancy. You're, <laughs> the registers hearing this and laughing in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't even want to pay me forty eight hundred dollars a year to like write quality content. <laughs> But uh, so I all I really want is just ubiquity. I want people to uh, to read it and, and talk about it and think that I'm cool. That's that's what's in my cul-de-sac. Yeah. And uh, so you can you can pay for it. You can get it for free, whatever you want. But you should just just go get it. Just uh, make sure you get it. Yeah. Get it like a like a like a Pokemon. Is that their motto? Get it. <laughs> yes. Collect them all. <laughs> oh, collect them get all. It. Get it. Get it. Are you are you kids into the Pokemon? Uh, they have been off and on. We went, uh, when, uh, we went to Japan, we went to the, the Pokemon store out in the, the suburbs of Tokyo. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, lately, lately, uh, more into Magic the Gathering. So been mm. learning to play that. Something to look forward to if, if you haven't learned that one yet. Yeah. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I, you know, that came about like, right. Uh, I was a big, uh, Dungeons and Dragons person. And I just thought, oh, I sure. just, I just thought Magic the Gathering was like the equivalent of, I don't know, you know, little Debbie snacks versus like having a wholesome <laughs> meal. It's just like, so let me get this right. It's, 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 and they would call it a role playing game at the time. Cause what else are you going to call it? But it's just like, I have cards and I'm playing the cards and like shit happens and, yep. and that's it. I don't like develop a character over the course of two years and like, Put a story well, in you, here, and you, you, you with magic, you you develop your decks. Yes, develop your decks. <laughs> it's kind of like kind of like uh, enterprise slide decks. Yeah, I mean, you, on the you, other you hand, you work on them, you cultivate them, you, you make them better, you bring them out over and over again until you get them just right, and then you get tired. No, that's true. On the other hand, like I'm I'm slowly realizing that this whole world of like games. I know this is going to sound a characteristically ridiculous thing, but this whole world of just like like games and card games. Like I think because I think it's ridiculous, I've cut myself off from a lot of joy in life. Like you can just, you know, 
you can just like play a game. You don't have to like evolve some world and the characters in it uh, in the course of it. So I should look into that. Have you heard of card games, Matt Ray? I have. I have <laughs> uh, something something to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll also uh, there's you know if you go to the show notes, which you can go to at softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash one eighty four, you can get that discount for the book. But you'll see that we also have a discount for uh, DevOps Days. Uh, Minneapolis, which is August uh, 6th. You should go check that out. There's also a link. You should go check out a whole bunch of uh, Spring One tours that we have going on. I think they kind of moved over to the U.S. and there'll be some in Asia and uh, Brazil uh, over the rest of the year. We've got... Uh, uh, how was ChefConf in London, Matt Ray? Uh, I think it just ended. Did you get I, some I updates there. in a Slack channel that you've muted? <laughs> I, I, I did... Uh, peer into the Slack channel without joining. Um, mm. I was like, I, I'm not in London. I, I think I get the gist of it. A yeah. whole lot of people, a whole lot of presentations, you know, good stuff. Um, spreading the good word to, to London. And then, and then also, uh, just because, you know, uh, everyone likes them, including myself for obvious reasons, the, the Monktoberfest, they have a CFP mm. ump, open over in uh, real Portland, as Stephen likes to call it. It's October 3rd and 4th. You should submit some talk there. I never know what the fuck to submit because, you know, so I never do. You know, you, you would think that I would uh, be attending a Red Monk conference all the time. You should. There's there's plenty of other pivotal people who go to them. But, like, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't – I don't. this is, like, I need a lot of advice on, like, how to fit into that, that kind of world because I feel like – I feel like, you know, there would be a lot of value given, you know, uh, that people apparently like this, just, like, my sort of, like, dissembling – rambling self on some topic seems entertaining but like how do you how do you cfp that like so many of the things i want to send a cfp for just like i don't know it's me can i come talk but <laughs> I, I think that's well well i mean how does uh clay schaefer do it right he's you know you you, you throw out a topic that sounds kind of catchy and then you're gonna riff over it and, yeah this yeah. is true this is speaking of i was finally accepted to an o'reilly conference to the uh, software architecture conference in London. Now, technically, I have spoken at OzCon because Bart and George submitted our Linux desktop thing, which I think yeah. is probably in the uh, uh, the speaker um, selection thing for OzCon. It says, if the phrase Linux desktop appears in the title, you automatically have to accept this talk. <laughs> uh, but... But so I have I have spoken there, but like as, as longtime people know, I am pretty sure O'Reilly... Uh, conference people hate me for some reason because i never get accepted for a talk but i will i somehow i snuck in hopefully none of them listen to this and they'll cancel it but i'll 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 be there at some point but uh other than heartily recommending those conferences uh to people what do you have to recommend this week matt ray well um uh i i uh over on the the twitter i saw you talking about uh, innovations in the cold chain and uh, I, I would like to recommend a podcast where the day before you mentioned the cold chain, I learned what the cold chain was. <laughs> mm. Well, um, what is it? So the yeah, what the cold chain or what I'm recommending? The cold chain. Um, the, the the cold chain is the line of how food or other products get from one place to the other while staying cold. So it's you know they get harvested they get refrigerated they get put into a truck that takes them to a port puts them on a ship takes them to another port puts them on a train takes them to a city puts them on a you know on a truck that takes them to the store where they're put in a refrigerated you know display and it stays refrigerated the whole time right because you can't let things get warm and that's why you can have you know any kind of food at any time of the year anywhere in the world you know except australia <laughs> that 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 makes sense. Yeah, you yes. get you get avocados up here in the Netherlands, which there's something wrong with them. They take they're not as good as uh, back in Texas. I don't know. They are, well, but yeah. I think I think it's one of those things where they the the key to avocados is like they're not going to be ready to eat for like three months. You gotta you gotta let them like ripen and soften up. And 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 then meanwhile here in Australia, you know we uh, the cold chain doesn't have as far to go, so uh, we get to celebrate uh, our avocados most of the year. Mm. Man, love an avocado. Mm, yeah. So my my recommendation is the uh, the BBC News podcast, Fifty Things That Made the Modern Economy. Whoa. And uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Each episode's about 
less than 10 minutes and uh they did 50 and now they're doing a second season so you know they got 50 more but huh. it's good definitely good I, I I like those kind of like uh, as you were going over industry overviews where you're like, whoa, man, can you imagine if Facebook people had to do that? The the world would just like self implode. Like that <laughs> that system is so complicated and weird and dirty. I mean, I guess the well, Uber people figured it out, but uh, yeah, it's probably yeah. to to you know echo the Ben Thompson sentiment. It's probably like. You know, the only way to like uh, enter a really dirty, grimy, complicated market is to be really dirty, grimy and complicated, uh, you know, enter Uber. Uh, but it is like, you know, applying like the, the best minds of our generation to use that old. Uh, what was that guy's name? Jonathan Hammersmith, the dupe guy, uh, you know, to uh, to the cold chain. Like it just I don't think I don't think people who can sell ads and, uh, you know, torment people uh, in in. Uh, Tampa, Florida with moderation review. Like, I don't think they could figure that shit out. Like, it'd be crazy. <laughs> well, my there recommendation is uh, uh, I, I've, I've learned uh, or I've picked up the habit. I guess this is two recommendations. Of, I'll, I'll go over. I got, a, uh, I got an annual pass to the, uh, the Reich Museum. I, I never know how to say it without sounding like I'm referencing Nazi stuff, so I apologize for that. But it's the the big museum over here in Amsterdam with all your Rembrandts, and you know it's got more more uh, Jesuses and Marys than you would ever want to see outside of Italy. Uh, I think Italy perhaps is the capital of of Jesus and Mary uh, pictures. Anyhow, got it's got a lot of them. Yeah, it's got a lot of that, and it has this tiny section on the top floor of. <laughs> I love the humor in it. You know, it's like 1900 to 1950, like you know, just some recent shit. Uh, but anyways, so I go there a lot just to like, it's a fun place to go work and hang out if you can just come and go as you want. And, uh, I picked up this book in their gift shop called read this if you want to take great photographs, which apparently I haven't read it enough. Uh, but it's, it's a good, it's a good kind of like that explanation you always want to get when you're kind of searching on the internet. And then you're like, why, how the fuck am I reading this now? Like just some trash about taking photos, but it's, it's pretty good. So you should check that out. There's another one that's like interviewers with uh, or like little commentary on uh, photographers, which is good. And and that uh, that also I wanted to put out. I haven't gotten to this section in the book if it exists, but I need some input on how you take like a landscape or an urban scape picture. Because in Amsterdam, you know, being new here, there's a lot of fun things to take pictures of. But how do you take a picture where like the sky isn't some just big piece of white? Right. Like I want you like I don't know how to do like, do I need a tripod? And then I have super low light and a super open shutter speed. <laughs> but like someone someone out there has to know, like, how do you take a picture where like the sky actually appears in all the sort of like sharpness and resolution we see with our eye? But then the building does, too. I guess that's a problem of backlighting or something. But there must be some way of doing it because there's pictures everywhere where it's like. The building yep. isn't super dark, and the sky is also visible. It's not just like a big white blotch. So I gotta, I gotta figure that out. And you know, I don't need to be no like Ansel Adams or anything. I just want to take some pictures of buildings. Uh, well, uh, you should join our uh, Slack channel. Maybe you can give me my the answers there. Uh, but uh, we got a lot to a lot of stuff going on. Follow up to things. People are going over the dreams they have now, which is fascinating. But if you go yeah. to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack, uh, you can sign up for it. Thanks to uh, no SSHJJ. We don't even have to approve it. That it probably is built into the Slack's numbers. They're like at some point, people are going to be able to like join a Slack channel without having to create a new account. Or yep. have manual approval to join. And that is just going to blow open the doors for market adoption. <laughs> and so that's, maybe, that's baked into the price. Maybe they could just find you know all the slacks by email address. And if the passwords are the same salt, that they're the same person? I don't I like, know. I like that. I like that. Yep. Because <laughs> I might use the same one for everything. Yeah. yeah. Every it, slack. Yeah. Anyhow, you should join the Slack channel. You can also check out our uh, Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn feed and everything. All sorts of great stuff. But if you just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, there's a whole little world over there. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.
single meal. Then I got scurvy. That sounds pretty real. I used to eat tacos every single day. But then I had a pizza slice and it blew me away. Every day is pizza time! Mozzarella! 